86 down, 279 to go. My name is Chris. This is at a theater near me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I'm going to be talking about the movies X and asking for it. Also talk about my uh, trips to the Gloucester Cinema, as well as the Showcase Cinema Woburn, a box office preview. But first, do you have a collection of sports cards sitting in your basement collecting dust? Have you ever wondered what your binders full of baseball cards are worth? Are you a fan of sports cards or heard of the recent boom in the sports card industry? Now is the time to reach out to Alex with Saints 413 and cash in on your collection. Alex specializes in all aspects of the sports card industry from buying, selling, trading, grading, and even running box breaks. Alex has been in the sports card industry for over 15 years and has bought and sold hundreds of thousands of dollars in sports cards. Since the start of the pandemic, the industry has taken off, so don't put it off any longer. Reach out to Alex to help you cash in. If you are already on the sports card trading bandwagon, Alex runs multiple box breaks each week with the latest and best products through his eBay store at Saints413, all one word, Saints413. He also has a YouTube channel, at Saints 413 Breaks. For more information on how you can sell your cards for some side cash or get some help navigating through the sports card industry, reach out to Alex at Saints413Breaks at gmail.com. That's Saints413Breaks at gmail.com or through his eBay store at Saints413. I'll also put all this information in the show notes. He would love to hear from you. Okay, I went to the Gloucester Cinema to check out the movie Asking For It. Um, and the Gloucester Cinema, I'm not going to lie, when I pulled in, this might have been the roughest looking theater when I pulled in the parking lot that I've been to in this journey. I went in and the inside is quite a bit nicer than the outside. Uh, the guy behind the ticket uh, booth couldn't have been friendlier. Got my ticket, went to the theater, and the theater itself actually was very nice. Uh, the seats were super comfortable. The screen was great. Uh, you know, for independent theater, I'd say it's one of the nicest screens I've seen. And uh, the sound quality was good. Uh, they, you can tell that the money they've spent wisely, they put into the theater. I'd much rather have a nice theater experience. That's where I'm spending my time. I'm spending two hours there. I mean, how often am I looking at the outside of a building um, when I walk in? Who cares at the end of the day? And it just goes to show you, like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, especially with these, you know, independent theaters. Um, and, you know, you, you drive a little further from the Gloucester Center and you're right on the water. Uh, it's a beautiful spot. In fact, it's one of the prettiest locations for a movie theater that I've seen. So the Gloucester Cinema, I think, is definitely one of those like hidden jewels. Uh, I've never been to that cinema. I honestly don't go to Gloucester enough. It's less than an hour from my house. Uh, and uh, it's it's beautiful there. If you're in that area, I would heavily recommend checking out the Gloucester Cinema. It's a three-screener. And they had an early matinee for me and showing a movie that I wouldn't that is not playing anywhere else. This movie called Asking For It. When I saw it, it was listed on, on Fandango under their movie ghost things. I had to even look up what it was. So this is a movie that's not publicized at all. So I, if anything, I just give them credit for showing it at all. Uh, I didn't expect a very large audience and I didn't get one. No, only person there. But as I was leaving, the one that was an 11 o'clock matinee. The one o'clock matinees were starting and, and the lobby was filling up and the uh, the park now was filling up. So um, I'm sure they, they must do much better business than this uh, rando 11 o'clock showing. The other new theater I checked out was the Showcase Cinemas in Woburn. Uh, this theater is magnificent. Uh, 14 screens. It's one of the nicest theaters I've been to on this trip. I'd rank it right there with the, the showcase cinemas in Chestnut Hill. So both the Chestnut Hill and the Woburn are both considered to be the deluxe. Um, I talked about that on the Chestnut Hill episode, uh, way back in January when I saw West Side Story and I sat in the deluxe 
uh, seating, which meant that uh, it wasn't the first three rows. I had a heated seat, and if I wanted to, I could have uh, waiters bring me food and beverages. When I went and saw X at the Woburn Theater, it, they say they're deluxe, but uh, maybe X wasn't playing in a deluxe theater. I will say the theater I saw it in was maybe the smallest theater I've I've been to. It had a capacity of only thirty five seats. Uh, it was three rows, uh, and uh, of the you know just the rec- you know the rec- recliners. So this, the chairs themselves are pretty big. Um, also, when I was watching the movie X, uh, which is okay, I'll get to a full review of that at the end of the show. But with about twenty minutes left, a guy in the row right in back of us stood up and quietly said, "I don't like this movie," and got up and left. The movie X has a lot of sexual content in the first half. The second half has a lot of horror, but like a lot of like horror elements had already happened by the time this guy was, was so upset by this movie. Uh, it wasn't like it was the first act of violence he saw by, by this point in the movie. It was nearly the end. You know, what, almost 90 days in, the first time I've seen someone walk, you know, I've seen my own eyes uh, and my own ears, I guess, in this case, uh, walk out of a movie. So uh, I wouldn't have expected it to be this one necessarily, but uh, I do not like this movie. He got up and walked out. So, But even this guy must, must like this theater. It's a 14 screener. Uh, like I said, I rank it right there with the Chestnut Hill, the Cinemark, Rockingham, um, that brand new one they built just before the pandemic. And uh, I got to throw the Portsmouth Music Hall in there, although I don't know if that counts. It's just a, it's just a one, one screener. It's a giant theater. But as far as the movie theaters, the, the two showcases are right there with the, uh, the Cinemark. This theater out of those three elite theaters, if you will, is by far the oldest. This was built in 1973. It was renovated in 1997 and then renovated again in 2014. When you walk in, the lobby is one of the largest lobbies I've I've seen. Uh, it's it's giant. They even have a couch, like a like a living room area almost, uh, all the way to the right with a with a TV. They have a, one of the largest concession counters um, I've ever seen. But then to your to your left, you have to walk all the way to the left when you get in there. Uh, is where you get your tickets, and that ticket window actually is kind of small. But the place is spotless and the bathrooms were spotless. The lobby was spotless. Uh, it, it was, it seemed like just incredibly well cared for a building. I was really impressed with this theater. I, I hope to check it out more in the future. Uh, I, I really like the showcase cinema Woburn. You got to give showcase some credit. I know they tore down some theaters, including the one in Revere that I went to a lot as a kid, but the ones they have kept open, they really seem to care for. I mentioned uh, even when I went to Rhode Island to avoid the snow uh, last month, uh, I went to a showcase there and it wasn't as nice, but they were in the middle of remodeling it. Like they really seem to spend a lot of money and care on the theaters that they have remained, that have remained open for them. One last showcase note here. So uh, before you go to an AMC movie, they play like a 30 second commercial where it's like Nicole Kidman telling you how great movies are in the movie theater and how it's like magical and a great experience. I don't know if people already go into the movies and need to be reminded how great movies are, but whatever. But for showcase cinemas, they do the same kind of thing, but it's Lenny Clark. <laughs> Just a reminder that you're, you know, you're in New England. Um, but this sh- showcase is a great job. I don't know. Those theaters are really, really, really nice. The deluxe ones, especially. So if you're in the Massachusetts area and you see a deluxe one and you haven't been, check it out. It's very nice. Okay. Because of the Oscars and then having a guest last episode, I didn't talk about the box office breakdown from, from last weekend. Uh, I'll go over pretty quickly here because it's, it's a little bit old news here, but the big news is got a new number one. So I mentioned a uh, week before that I thought this might be the week where the Batman drops to number two. And it was. The Lost City did end up overtaking the Batman. It brought in $30.4 million, a tremendous opening weekend for a movie that's not an IP, not a franchise. This is a new story. Is it a completely creative and original story? 
I don't know. A lot of people are comparing it to like the Romancing the Stone movies from the 80s. But you know what? Even those movies were a throwback to the movies from the 40s, some of the action adventure serials. So, I mean, er everything goes back to something. And for me, it's exciting to see an original story open number one with $30 million. It shows you what a box office draw Sandra Bullock is and how her fans are legit. It also goes to show you that Having a really good supporting cast helps. This movie has Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt. And the other thing is, it's a movie for women, uh, you know, primarily marketed to women. Um, and there hasn't been many movies at all this year that have been to the female demographic. And it pays off. Uh, women have been completely ignored uh, from, from the studios so far to start this year. Uh, I know the movie studios were really concerned that because of COVID, they felt that men would be more likely to go to the movie theaters than women would be. But I think we can throw a lot of that out the window. I mean, movie theater audiences are back. I mean, yes, is there a good segment of the population that hasn't, that isn't comfortable going back to movies in the theaters? Absolutely. But there's a much larger segment of the population that seems to be okay with it. And I think the studios need to embrace that and just start releasing movies like they normally would and kind of put COVID in the back burner as far as choosing which movies to release and which movies not to. So The Lost City opens at $30.4 million. The Batman drops to number two with $20.4 million. Batman is now up to $331 million. I think it just passed Aquaman. The total gross for Aquaman. So obviously Batman will blow past that. Batman has a really good chance. I would say well over 400 million. Um, I don't think it'll hit 500, but um, we'll see how long, see, see what kind of legs it has. Uh, in third place is RRR. It's Rise, Revolt, Roar. This is an Indian movie uh, that is one of the biggest movies to come out of India. I believe it had a budget of over $70 million. It did really well there. A huge opening weekend for them. And that $9.5 million is only in 1,200 theaters, which means uh, it's averaging almost $8,000 per theater, which is higher than The Lost City. The Lost City was only was just over $7,000 per theater. So for the theaters that ran RRR, that was a bigger moneymaker than The Lost City. In fourth place is Uncharted. It brought in $5 million. Uh, in fifth place is Jujitsu Kaizen, the movie. It brought in $4.5 million. That's in its second week in release. That's a pretty huge drop-off. Remember the week before, it made about $15 million. It dropped almost 70% from week to week. But like I mentioned, I think the last week, that was expected. There was a movie last year called The Demon Slayer uh, that was also as an anime film. And that opened at over $20 million and that had a similar type drop off. I mean, with those movies, they have a really loyal, devout fan base that they're going to go see it the first week. Um, and then there just isn't that trickle down audience that will go see it weeks two and beyond. Um, but even so, I mean, an anime film coming in grossing $27 million in two weeks. That's fantastic. That's a huge number. A number you probably wouldn't have seen even 10, 15, 20 years ago. In sixth place is X, which I'll talk about later in the show. That brought in 2.2 million. Total gross of 8.2. I'd say that's disappointing for A24. So I mentioned before, A24 has never had a movie hit $50 million. They do have another movie opening. Um, they opened in 10 theaters last week. Uh, called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once with Michelle Yeoh. And this is a movie that is getting rave reviews. Um, it opened very strong in the 10 theaters. It brought in half a million dollars, which means it brought in $50,000 per theater, which is a wild number. But the problem there is those 10 theaters are all in New York and LA. Like Those are the kind of people that are going to be drawn to an A24 movie. A24 needs to figure out a way to promote these movies to the people in the middle of the country. Uh, or people who aren't in big cities like New York, or LA, or Boston, or San Francisco. They need to find 
the non-coastal cities or the more rural coastal areas and hit them and market to them. And A24 has not been able to do that. And a great example of this is the trailer for their upcoming movie called Men. Like, watch that trailer. Like, who is that appealing to? It's so artsy. And I think you could overdo it sometime. I mean, one thing I got to give A24 credit for, one thing I got to give A24 credit for, excuse me, is the trailer for X is, or maybe a better way to frame it is the trailer is the fun elements of the movie. But I don't know, check out, keep an eye on that everything, everywhere, all at once. That's opening in more theaters this week. Uh, it's in Boston this week at a couple of theaters. Um, and it'll, I think it'll keep expanding wider and wider, if it, especially if it keeps bringing the numbers like that. I don't know if that would be the first one to hit 50 million, but it is great. It, it is getting great word of mouth. So maybe X, obviously, like I mentioned, will not be that it came in at, like I said, $8 million in two weeks. Um, and that's why I went and saw it. It, it just never drew an audience. Um, I thought maybe that horror slash porn element might bring out a lot of young adults and get people excited for it. It could just never get its footing. Uh, in seventh place is Dog with 2.1 million. Uh, it's up to 57 million now in six weeks. That's a huge win. Channing Tatum again. So Channing Tatum now has two movies in the top seven. In eighth place is Spider-Man No Way Home, $2 million. But the big news there is it cracked the 800 million barrier. Uh, only the third movie to hit that number domestically. Ninth place is Sing 2, 1.3 million. And in 10th place is Infinite Storm with only $750,000. That's in 1,500 screens, a brand new release. That is a huge disaster. That's Bleecker Street Media. They also had that movie come out Sundown with Tim Roth. I believe they, uh, that, I think I saw that back in February. Um, that movie didn't do very well at all either. So Bleecker Street is off to a, a pretty terrible start uh, this year. Uh, other just movies of note here, in 12th place is The Outfit, only 568,000, it's second week in release. Two weeks, this Mark Rylance film is crime drama. I reviewed it for this show last week. Terrible, 2.7 million total. Um, even though that movie did, obviously didn't cost very much to make, it's a small movie, small cast. Um, it's a bottom movie, all takes place in one setting. That's still a huge disappointment for Focus Features. So you're hearing this on a Friday. So looking ahead, this is the this is it, the big day. April 1st means Morbius is coming out. It's not an April Fool's joke. Um, Morbius, of course, uh, I think I've talked about on this, I've talked about this movie on this show quite a bit because it completely changed the landscape of the winter release schedule for, for a lot of these studios. This was supposed to come out uh, the last week in January, I believe, of this year, and they pulled it because of COVID concerns. And I think that was a pretty big mistake because now they're releasing it obviously April 1st, but now there's a lot more competition. You know, we have Batman in its fifth week in release, but still doing very good numbers. We have the Lost City in its second week in release. And you might say, all right, Chris, well, the people who are going to see Lost City aren't going to see Morbius. There's, there's some truth there for sure. Uh, but at the same token, if it's a date night and the Lost City is in the table that has some action, has some romance, I think it's, I think it, I could see the couple going to see that as opposed to maybe the guy trying to drag his girlfriend to see Morbius, which is getting horrendous reviews, terrible buzz. This is a movie that was delayed a bunch of times even before uh, it got pushed from January. So, I mean, this movie just has just disaster written all over it. And this is going to be, this could be the first real misstep for Sony. Sony has Venom, of course, both made a lot of money. And obviously they have their partnership with Marvel for the Spider-Man movies. Um, but this one appears to be a real, a real stinker. Uh, but I still think, here's my prediction here for you. I think it's going to break $30 million this weekend. I believe it will definitely be number one this weekend. So it'll open really strong. I think that Marvel crowd will go see it. Um, 
and it opened, I say, 35 million if you put a gun to my head. Uh, but it's going to have a obviously a terrible drop off week two, week three, moving forward. But um, it will open. It'll open strong. It'll open number one. It'll knock Lost City off. The only other movie really of big note that you could see maybe crack a top 10 this week is The Contractor. This is Chris Pine. Um, this was, I think, supposed to open in more screens. Also has Ben Foster in it. Of course, those two were in the movie Hell or High Water, uh, which if you haven't seen, go see that right away. That is a fantastic Western. Very good movie. Uh, they have a great chemistry together. So I'm, I'm hoping the movie will have some of that, but this has gotten pretty bad buzz uh, with each passing week, I feel like. This is the first movie that Paramount's going to put out this year, I think, that has a real stink to it. Paramount's had a really good start to the year this year from a box office perspective. It sounds like they have a lot of management issues, but you know they had the, uh, the Scream 5 did really well. The Jackass Forever did really well. But this contract movie seems like it's going to be a pretty big miss for them. Okay, so I'm behind. Uh, you're hearing this on April 1st. I'm talking about movies that I saw on March 26th and 27th. So what's the reason behind that? So I am going to be going away to New Orleans and Mississippi uh, next week. And with the Oscar content from last week, as well as having some guests on, you may have noticed I've done some shows where I only covered one movie instead of two. And the reason I did that was I wanted to push some stuff back. So the week I was in New Orleans, I wouldn't go dark. Um, so reading into next week, I'm going to throw some episodes in the can here. And then by the time I get back to New Orleans, I'll then do a bunch of episodes in a row. So instead of hearing shows every other day, you'll hear shows every day until I'm caught up again. So I know it's a little confusing, but I am seeing a movie every single day still. If you want to go to the Instagram, it's at a theater. I'm obviously uh, in real time on Twitter as well. And it is April 1st when you're hearing this. And I'll be starting a new segment here in April called 20 and 30. I'm going to go see 20 different movie theaters in the month of April, at least 20. I'm hoping I'd love to try to do 30 in 30. I don't know if it's possible with the amount of movies in movie theaters right now. But the goal is at least 20 different movie theaters uh, for the month of April. So I will put that on Twitter and on Instagram, like I said, in real time. And then obviously once I get caught up to April, we'll talk about that more on this show. So as far as this show is concerned, uh, we're up until March 27th here. So it's still budget month in my world. So I've now spent $2,830, I said through March 27th, which equals $32.91 a day or $12,000 and $11. Look, going to see a movie every day is a tough task, both logistically and financially. Luckily, with the help of Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group, you can reduce your worry about the financial planning portion. Tom's approach helps show your big financial picture and finds ways to build income and protect wealth, all while maintaining your current way of life. To schedule a meeting with Tom to find out more, give him a call at 732-403-7747. Once again, that's 732-403-7747 to book your meeting. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, Securities Products and Advisory Services, offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Give Tom a call. He would be happy to talk with you about any financial questions you may have. All right, let's talk X. Um, X is all right. I'm going to give it a B minus. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with it. Maybe I had too high expectations. It's a horror film written, directed, produced, edited by Ty West. It's really tropey. It really leans heavy into that genre, whether it be like that late 70s feel. This movie takes place in 1979 or it's that adult film style of that time period, or like I said, just horror tropes of the late 70s into the 80s. 
I think at times Ty West in this movie oversteps and he's trying to make some meaningful points about aging, but he's so trope heavy. I don't think it really lands. I think it's difficult to fit in major statements when you are just going to then just toy with the genre the whole time. It's hard to take that world seriously. It's almost like a comic book movie trying to make a really adult statement. Can it be done? Yeah, but is it often done well? No, and it's not really done well here either. The other difference there is those comic book movies have uh, huge budgets. Well, this doesn't. This is a modest A24 movie. Having said that, though, it's it's entertaining. Um, I think maybe the best way to put it is if you love the trailer, you'll like this movie. Um, I, I mentioned the trailer early on in the show, but the trailer is one of the best trailers of the year. And uh, this movie is just, it's just okay. It's funny. Ty West has his background more in horror, but I thought his biggest strength here was the stuff he was doing that first act when he was talking more like about adult films and that 70s, 1979 aesthetic. Uh, I think that was the strongest point of the movie. Also, just the character interplay was really fun. Um, getting to know these characters, that characters dealing with each other. By the second and third act, when those characters need to make some pretty big decisions or some changes in personality, it doesn't quite work as well. I don't know if he's quite mastered that yet with the screenwriting to have these characters make believable decisions that change who they are. I don't think they quite earn those changes. The cast is good, not great. Uh, I know some people have been raving about Mia Goth in this movie. I, I don't think she's that she's that fantastic here. Uh, Brittany Stowe is very good. Jenna Ortega is becoming kind of a scream queen. Uh, we ha- she was in Studio 666. She was in Scream 5. She's in this. So it's fun to see a younger actress embrace the, the horror film aesthetic and, and, and that genre. I'm probably being too critical about this movie, honestly. Uh, I think I just went in really hoping this was going to be, be, be really good. And I probably should have went in, you know, it's a small independent film. I probably should have had my expectations more in check here. As some critics are saying, oh, this is this has some of uh, the strands of Psycho or Boogie Nights in his DNA. It's like, well, no, those are some of the greatest movies ever made. This is a, a perfectly adequate B-movie to go see in the theaters. Um, tries to do some twists at the end. Doesn't really land for me. Uh, this was filmed in New Zealand, and that's fine. Uh, you, don't, you feel like it's supposed to take place in Texas. You still feel like you're in Texas. The film, the movie's really just taking place at a farmhouse and then a cabin that's next to a farmhouse. Uh, there's some stuff at the beginning of the movie, but that, they're really, it takes place in kind of that one setting. And the setting's interesting enough where you're never really bored. And, so, and the cast is dynamic enough as well where you're never really bored. But I also never really felt that invested either. When the horror aspect hits, like I said, in, in that second half of the movie, I just didn't care that much. Um, it's fine. B minus. The other movie I saw, asking for it. And this is an F. This is, this is going to join the F troop. So it's right there. You know, it's not as bad as Tyson's Run. It's not as bad as The Tiger Rising. It's not as bad as King's Daughter. It's worse than Blacklight. This movie is horrifically horrible. It's a, I guess, woke revenge movie. Uh, it starts off strongly enough, I guess, or certainly at least better than the rest of the movie. Kiersey Clemens plays a young girl, uh, like just a, a college student, excuse me, uh, that gets date raped. She, she has, she works at her, uh, like a cafe and one of her regular customers is Alexandra Ship, um, who is maybe the highlight of this movie. She's a very good actress. Um, I spent most of the movie just feeling bad for her that she was in this horrible film, but Alexandra Ship, uh, knows her character knows of an underworld where women who are mistreated, uh, can join together and they extract revenge, not only on the people that may have mistreated them, but also just toxic masculinity in general. Among this group of uh, women set in revenge is, an act, is uh, a character played by Vanessa Hudgens, 
who is a good actress that is just just out of place here as well. Her, the characters here are so one-dimensional. Um, they're so focused on revenge and just telling you their backstory of why they're in this situation that they don't, there's no real like decent dialogue. I saw one review said that they were just talking at each other. I think that's really, really apt. That's a really fair take. I think that was on rogerebert.com. You don't really care about any of these characters, even though you should considering the trauma they've, they've had in their life. Because the script is, is just written so poorly. It was written and directed by Emin O'Rourke. He's, he's a white man. And it's his first his first movie. And it is a terrifically terrible um, directing job. Okay, there's a few elements of this movie just being just absolutely ridiculous. At one point, they uh, the women that are set in revenge uh, find out that a militia group is meeting at a church, I believe. They roll out like 20-gallon drums. Um, filled with gas and they let the gas out and the gas sterilizes only the men in the building. Um, so every, so, you know, 500 men get sterilized instantly because they breathe in this magical gas. The other element of this movie that's absolutely ridiculous is that for most of the movie, you're led to believe that Ezra Miller is, is the big bad guy in this movie. He plays a, a militia leader. You probably know Ezra Miller as the flash and the new Zack Snyder, justice league movies. He's in those fantastic beasts films as well, but it ends up, this militia that Ezra Miller is running is actually funded by a sheriff in town that also is kidnapping young women and selling them to various parts of the globe. A woman trafficking uh, ring. Okay. The sheriff is played by David Patrick Kelly. Um, you probably know David Patrick Kelly as the guy in the Warriors movie who wants the Warriors to come out and play. He's been in a number of things. He's in Commando and The Crow. He's, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, he's 71 years old. He looks like he's about 85 years old and he gets into a hand-to-hand combat at one point in the movie with the character played by Alexander Ship, who we are led to believe that in this entire movie is a wildly strong and trained martial artist, very strong. Uh, and they, they even get into a, like I said, hand-to-hand combat at first. It becomes like a knife fight. David Patrick Kelly looks like he can barely like walk around. The reveal of him being the bad guy is also just insane. It's so dramatic. You think like Clint Eastwood was on screen with the intro this guy gets. There's so much wrong with this movie and it's so, it's just trying so hard to be overly woke and overly political. There's no subtlety to it. It just seems like that guy at the party that's trying so hard to tell you how progressive he is. It's like, all right, man, we get it. Like, that's, that's cool. Like, it's like he wants to tell you that he read, you know, 10 different books by African-American female writers, but he doesn't really want to tell you what's in the books. He just wants you to know that he read them. It seemed like a guy trying, a white guy trying really hard to remind us that he's a good person because of his political beliefs. And it's just exhausting. And the other thing too, you know, for a movie like this, when you, when you kind of tread that line, you got to be careful with your casting. So like I said, this movie has Ezra Miller in it. And Ezra Miller has had a number of issues before this movie was made. And since it's only gotten worse. Back in 2020, there was a video out that showed him choking a woman and throwing her to the ground. Now, lucky for him, this happened in April of 2020, uh, right when the pandemic was in full swing. It's kind of got pushed aside. I think just people were so focused on COVID that this kind of slipped away. But just this past week, TMZ reported the police have been called on him 10 times in the past week. He had a physical confrontation at a karaoke bar. Another couple filed a restraining order against Miller with the accusation of assault. It seems like every day this week, there's been 
a report in TMZ about Ezra Miller. And a lot of it has to do with treating women really poorly, which is the whole you know, backbone of this movie. And I don't, I don't blame the writer and director necessarily um, for Ezra Miller's behavior, obviously. But if all you're going to do in this movie is lecture me for an hour and a half and the people who are lecturing me don't even have their shit together. Uh, I just don't know what we're doing here. We had a movie come out a couple years ago, Promising Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. Got nominated to for Best Picture. I didn't particularly like the movie very much. Um, it's leaps and bounds better than this. I think there is a movie to be made about women trying to stop dangerous, toxic men. Like that, that's a fine concept for a movie. Um, this movie is not could not execute that concept very well. And I think it just it just tried to be too broad. Like, oh, this random militia. Like, go, go after the actual guy that raped the main character. That's who we want to see get dealt with. Um, this nameless, faceless militia, because Emin O'Rourke saw a militia on the news one day. Like, that's, I'm just not going to have that same connection to it. It just seemed like Emin O'Rourke was so busy trying to make popular political opinions that he forgot he was making a movie. So a big, big stay away there. If you're looking to sponsor the show, I'd love to have you join up. Ad read start at $50 a read. You can shoot me an email if you'd like at a theater at gmail.com. That's at a theater at gmail.com. We do have spaces open in April, or you can reach me on Twitter as well. It's at a theater near me with at being the at symbol. So at a theater near me. I will be back on Sunday with a review of a newer movie, uh, Infinite Storm with Naomi Watts. I will talk to you folks then.